0: During the military dictatorship, my father, my mom, uh, my sister, my brother, and me, five of us, were arrested because my father was a politician. And thousands of people had similar experiences under the military dictatorships. And I worry the similar thing will continue if we have another dictatorship.
1: Weiwei Wei Nu is a human rights activist from Myanmar. She's now working in Washington, D.C.
0: I am executive director of Women's Peace Network Myanmar, and I'm a former political prisoner, and I'm a Rohingya.
1: When Weiwei Wei was 18 years old, the military government of Myanmar arrested her family in the dead of night, separated them, and sentenced them to prison. After seven years, their time behind bars ended only because the official military rule ended. And now, the generals are back in power. —
0: In order to perform scrutiny of the voter lists and to take action, the authority of the nation's lawmaking, governance, and jurisdiction is handed over to the commander-in-chief in in accordance with the 2008 Constitution. — article.
1: On Monday, once again in the dead of night, Myanmar's military staged a coup. It arrested state councilor and de facto leader Aung San Suu Kyi, President Win Mint, and several other members of their party, the National League of Democracy, also known as the NLD. As one Al Jazeera journalist put it, the people of Myanmar went to bed in a flawed democracy and woke up in a military dictatorship. And having been here before, Many of them know that the path forward will not be easy. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. So, wait, wait, how did you hear the news of this coup happening?
0: Yes, it was Monday, early morning at around 2 a.m. Most of the people were asleep at that time, but some of my colleagues were awake and they were sending me photos and Facebook posts saying that MPs are arrested. Initially, we thought it was a rumor, but for about one hour at around 3 a.m., we were able to confirm that it was uh, a coup. The coup has started
1: what was going through your head once it became clear what had happened?
0: Yeah, it was unbelievable. I, I was thinking of all the people, my families and colleagues and friends in Myanmar. How how are they feeling about it? How are they going to cope with this? And I was really concerned and worried. I hope that is not true. I try not to believe it, but the NLD spokesperson confirmed that the NLD leadership, on San Suu Kyi, and the president has been detained. So it was like, yeah, we had to accept the fact.
1: What were people in Myanmar doing when it became clear that something was happening?
0: Yes, so the move from the military was very quick. Within a few hours, uh, they were able to close many government institutions, detain many lawmakers and senior level leaders. The military has seized power in Myanmar and declared a state of emergency. The democratically elected leader Aung San Suu Kyi has been detained along with other senior politicians from the ruling party. And by the time people wake up at around six, seven, eight, people started to realize um, they ran to the markets to collect food as much as they can, and some went to the bank, and there were people lining up in front of the ATM machines to withdraw money, cash as much as they can. But then, after a while, the bank were closed, and people were not able to withdraw money, and people started to panic, extremely panic about this. Internet connections were cut off throughout the country, and phone services were cut. So, like, yeah, it was like a nightmare for many. Later on, I've been uh, hearing from the people that they are very worried for their future, especially for the economy, for their businesses, for their school, all of these things. People are extremely concerned about the future at this point.
1: They're concerned about the signs they're already seeing on the ground, but also what they're not seeing there's this overwhelming feeling of uncertainty over everything.
0: There is a parliamentarian residence in Nebido. Almost all, maybe all parliament lived there, like hundreds of them. They were detained. The police forces were there. They were held inside for many hours. And then later on, some of them were taken. We lost connections to them and we don't know what is going on. And we're still uh, waiting for the news from them. Hopefully, they will be okay.
1: You have family members who are also part of the opposition. How are they doing now?
0: So, yes, um, my father is a politician. He runs a political party called Democracy and Human Rights Party, predominantly Rohingya. And he's chairperson of the party. He is quite outspoken against the military as well as to Aung Sang Suu Kyi's positions on the Rohingya and other ethnic minorities. So far, he is safe, and I hope he will continue to be safe.
1: So, this coup was shocking, but it wasn't entirely out of the blue.
0: United Nations Secretary-General says he is watching events in Myanmar very closely following reports the country's military may be preparing a coup. More than a dozen embassies are urging the army to respect democratic norms.
1: What were the circumstances that led to this point? So
0: in November 8, there was general elections of Myanmar
1: State councillor Suu Kyi's party takes the lead as counting gets underway in Myanmar elections. It's been five years since the people of Myanmar went to the polls in a general election, and only the second time they'll cast ballots since the nation emerged from 50 years of military rule.
0: In this elections, NLD won a landslide again with over 50% of the vote, and the military-backed party, USDP, lost or failed terribly, and military is unhappy about it.
1: Weiwei says that's despite the fact that the military already has a big leg up in governance. Thanks to a 2008 constitution it drafted, the military gets a quarter of all parliamentary seats and control over three key ministries. But, Weiwei says, the military had wanted a seal of approval, and last year's election as well. They still
0: wanted to have their proxy party obtain more positions, more votes in the elections. So basically they were not happy with this election result and they were started to making the case of this election fraud allegations. The military claims recent elections, which delivered a landslide win for Aung San Suu Kyi, were fraudulent.
1: The armed forces have refused to accept November's election results, alleging widespread voter fraud. They've threatened to
0: take action if their complaints aren't addressed. This might be just an excuse or it might be just an, a justification to, to start this coup. But that was the conditions before the coup.
1: The military says it will be in power for at least one year, that it'll hold another election to replace the one it claims was fraudulent, and then transfer power to whoever wins, though some suspect the military will stay in charge beyond that. But Myanmar's electoral commission says there was nothing wrong with November's vote to begin with, and Aung San Suu Kyi's party has urged its supporters to take action.
0: The NLD party has issued a statement calling on the people of Myanmar to, quote, wholeheartedly protest against
1: the coup. And of course, Aung San Suu Kyi's leadership is not without controversy either. She's been a democracy activist in Myanmar for decades and spent years under house arrest. When she was released, she was immediately seen as a political frontrunner. And she's still enormously popular in Myanmar. But as the country's de facto leader, she was also accused of condoning war crimes, of defending the military's attacks on the Rohingya community, and of discriminating against the minority group herself. I asked Weiwei how people feel now about the military arresting her.
0: When we talk about... Her position to the Rohingya community, as well as our many other ethnic minorities. And she was, you know, one of the Burmese nationalists. That's what we have been observing over the past uh, several years. And it's been unforgivable. And it rises questions of her belief and her principles on the democracy and democratic values. This is time for us to continue support the movement in Myanmar, the democracy in Myanmar, at the same time acknowledging who she is at this point.
1: Let's talk about what the future might look like for people in Myanmar, because a huge chunk of the population has lived under military rule before.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I, I was young, we were not even allowed to, for instance, listen VOA or BBC or all these big international radios or media that is available in those days. And there was no freedom of expressions or speech whatsoever. And people had to follow what military agreed to or provided us to do. So this is the same thing, for instance, Monday TV broadcastings and radios were cut off, like shut down, and only military media broadcasting was available, and that was the communication channel that the military is using. So that will be the future right now. I think it is critical to understand what has happened, how military has treated the people in the past, so that we may be able to stop this uh, military dictatorship.
1: You say this from personal experience because you and your siblings were also arrested in 2005 when the military was in power. Can you tell me about that?
0: It was a really horrifying experience that I had to endure as a youth, as a young person, as an 18 years old girl. I thought nobody would have experienced that. Uh, kind of experience. And we had to spend seven years without having, uh, you know, proper trial, without uh, having legal representations or without even having uh, a right to appeal.
1: Weiwei explains she's seen firsthand what Myanmar's military is capable of. It's a story she's told many times before. Here she is at the Oslo Freedom Forum in 2017.
0: Prison life, it was full of horrors. More than a hundred women in my prison cell. Each of them have two feet by six feet of space. We ate soup with no flavor and salt. We had no medical facility. For years, I have no access to books. The worst is having no hope in the prison. There was no future in the prison. In 2012, my family was released, along with the other political prisoners, with the presidential amnesty. I was so excited. I had great hope for the future of my country, to enjoy freedom and democracy. But in fact, democracy reform, what I realized is only for the political elites in urban area, not for the people in rural areas, or not for the minorities.
1: That was four years ago, and Weiwei's warnings about the persecution of minorities, especially the Rohingya, ring even more true now. The military leaders who brutally attacked and raped Rohingya people in 2017 are the same ones who took the reins of government this week. Weiwei has typically weathered these political storms with her family. This time, she's on a different continent. I asked her how she felt watching the uncertainty and strife Unfold back home.
0: I am very worried for the future of the country. Burmese people, including the Rohingya, have suffered so much and for so long, and we need help to bring light for these people. The international community and several administrations at the US has failed. People of Myanmar and the Rohingya people for many years now, we don't want to see that the world is failing us again. We really need to take this opportunity to crash the military down and to end this suffering of the people in Myanmar. And that's what my concern and my worry is all about. I hope we will have enough support this time.
1: Weiwei Nu, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me especially in the midst of so much uncertainty and worrying about your own family members. I hope they continue to be safe and I appreciate this conversation.
0: Sure, thank you very much for having me
1: too. And that's The Take. Weiwei's full speech from the Oslo Freedom Forum is pinned on her Twitter page. We'll direct you there from ours at AJ the Take. And there's one more thing we wanted to share. A note from our friend and occasional guest host, Kevin Hurden.
0: This is Kevin Hurton, host of the podcast Al Jazeera Investigates. We have a new documentary series out this week. It's called All the Prime Minister's Men, where we've uncovered a corruption scandal in Bangladesh that you truly have to hear to believe. Subscribe to Al
1: Jazeera Investigates. This episode was produced by Priyanka Telbey with Ney Alvarez, Dina Kispe, Amy Walters, Nageen Oliai, Alexandra Locke, and me, Malika Bilal. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Alex Roldan is the take sound designer. And Stacey Samuel is the executive producer. We'll be back.